Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Mom Hour Voices, a special series on the Mom Hour showcasing diverse voices from across the motherhood community. I am Sarah Powers, and today I am joined by a whole table full of guest co-hosts from our contributor team. This is so exciting for me. I don't think I've ever had this many co-hosts or guests with me at the same time, so I'm really excited. Um, To start off, I'm here with Katie Parrish, who is the Brand Partnerships Manager for the Mom Hour. She's also a mom of three young boys and lives outside Chicago. Hey, Katie. Hi, happy to be here. So excited to have you. We are also joined by Stacy Bronick from our contributor team. Stacy is a mom of three from rural Montana. Hey, Stacy. Hi. Thanks for having me. No problem. Okay. And then returning to the show, I think for the third time, we have Lisa here today who lives in the Kansas City area and is a single mom to four kids from little to teen. Hey, Lisa, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks. I'm glad to be here. And then we have Emily from outside Indianapolis who has three young kids. Hi, Emily. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're back after a recent appearance on the show. So really excited to have you all here. Today, we are sharing family travel stories and specifically the ones that did not go as planned. And hopefully through this storytelling today, we're also going to talk about managing stress as a mom when you are traveling with young kids. We're going to get into how we make decisions when things like take a sharp turn off the rails and we have to make some quick thinking decisions either by ourselves or with a partner about like, where is this vacation headed? (laughs) Is it headed anywhere? Um, And then it's also going to be fun. We're going to talk about kind of the role these stories start to play in family culture. So we have a bunch to talk about today. I do want to say at the outset, there will be some puke talk. Not going to lie. I was laughing as we were kind of bringing together these stories, uh, throwing up is a common thread. And I'm, I say that laughing because I think many moms I know that's just par for the course. Like we get really used to 
bodily functions and bodily fluids. But I do know there's a segment of the population that that has a really hard time even hearing about puke. So if that's you, you just this this is episode is not completely about throwing up, but there will be puke. I guess the other thing I want to say is we went into this not trying to outdo each other with like the worst imaginable travel stories or like one up, you know, like, oh, my gosh, you'll never believe this. I would say these we're trying to normalize that family travel doesn't always go as planned and that stuff happens. So it's not like this is not um, to shock or scare anybody or to one up each other. It's more just coming together to have some laughs, commiserate, like, can't believe we got through that. And hopefully, listeners, by the end of this episode, um, you're not terrified to get out there and hit the road with your kids, but that kind of you feel like it'll be okay no matter what happens. So that's where we are headed today. And we're going to kick it off with Katie, um, who, again, now has three young boys and lives outside Chicago, but is going to tell us a story of um, pretty classic story of a road trip gone wrong um, from a few years ago. So, Katie, first, just set the stage for us. Your boys are getting older now, but at this time, like how far into motherhood were you? Who features in this story and how old were they? Yeah, um, so this was about five years ago. So my oldest son was about two and a half at the time. And then my middle son was four months old. So he was like, this was probably his first advent, like major adventure. <laughs> okay. And it was a road trip. So tell us, tell us where you went and like how far from home you were when, when it all started to go down. Yeah, this was a week long road trip where we were spending some time with family in Iowa. So my husband's entire family is out in Iowa. So we spent the majority of our trip there. And then at the end of our trip, we drove over to Omaha, Nebraska to see some really great friends of ours who had kids like just about the same age as our kids. And that was kind of like the end of our trip before we were going to start making our way back to Illinois. Okay, so it's all gone well. You managed to get there. So you managed to successfully do a longer road trip with a toddler and a baby. You're probably feeling pretty good about yourself. Um, So then just tell us what happened. Yeah, so the last day of our trip, I was starting to not feel great, but we were at the zoo and it was a super hot day. It was like 100 degrees. And so I was much more just focused on like making sure the baby was staying cool enough and kind of like ignoring a little bit of my own like exhaustion and not feeling great. And then that night, <laughs> that night I was sick. So I started throwing up that night and I was up all throughout the night, kind of like clockwork. But I assumed that it was just kind of um, maybe like food poisoning or something like that. The next morning when I woke up and checked on everybody, everybody else in the house, the other family, our entire family was feeling fine. And so I thought it was just me. And um, it was time to go. Like we had to start driving home. You were like, we got to get out of here. Yeah, I'm not going to stay in my friend's house and just, you know, continue to be sick. And so it's like, okay, we got it. We got to hit the road and just try to get back home. So how far if you had started driving and just drove straight through, how far from home are you? 
About six hours. Okay. So the longer we waited, I mean, the the, kind of just the worse it was going to get. So we kind of had to just make that decision to get going. And everybody knows that a a six-hour drive with a toddler and a baby could become 10, even even like in the best of circumstances. Okay, so you you decide you're going to do it anyway. Yes, so we decide we're going to do it anyway. Um, we remembered that we had some family friends. Um, one of them is a doctor. And so he was actually able to call in a prescription, uh, for Zofran, which if you've ever had to take that when you're pregnant, it can help you stop throwing up. And so that was our game plan. Get me some Zofran and then get on the road. Um, and so we load up the car, we swing through the Walgreens drive through we pick up the prescription, everything is going well. I take the medicine. All The kids are asleep now, which is amazing. Like we timed it with nap time and it's like, okay, we can handle this. And literally as we are merging onto the interstate, I see in the rear view mirror, my two and a half year old toddlers, I see his eyes just snap open, wide open. And I'm like, oh no. <laughs> and then he just like threw up all over the car. And um, we're like, oh boy, this is not what we thought it was going to be. And so we had to, um, we just like immediately turned around and circled back and like went back to our friend's house and had to like hose off the car seat, oh, give him a bath. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Give him a bath, load up on beach towels. It's like, all right, this is not, it's not just me now. Now it's the two of us. Now we're in it. But you were still at this point, like you, you went back, you cleaned him up and you still mm-hmm. are like, no, we're still going home. Yeah. I mean, people had to go back to work and yeah. I mean, it was like, our trip is over. Vacation time is done. We have yeah. to try to get home. We're not just going to stay with our friends and as we are, you know, sick all over their house. Yeah. So, yeah. And then from there on, it was basically like a it was like a comedy. I mean, any stereotype or like nightmare that you can imagine of throwing up on the side of the interstate or cleaning up puke in like a McDonald's parking lot or I mean we were stopping like every 45 minutes to an hour and um so that was really tough and then after several hours of that we finally reached the point where we're like we just cannot go any farther like this is it. This is the end of the road for us. And so we stopped in some random town in Iowa, in the middle of nowhere, Iowa, and found some rando hotel and just checked in. And we're like, we are staying here until this is done. (laughs) And at this point, is Chris still okay? Your husband? Yeah, he was still feeling okay. And thankfully, the baby was doing okay, which that was my other major concern was he was exclusively breastfed and I was having a hard time obviously keeping anything down and worried about getting dehydrated, worried about my supply. Um, My friend Kaylin and I had kind of tried to brainstorm a little bit if I should take some of her like frozen milk or um, I had never given my kids formula at that point. So I was trying to get a recommendation if it came to that, like what kind of formula should we try? So I was feeling a lot of extra stress around that side of it. Um, 
So, yeah. Did Chris ever get it? Yeah. So then that night, <laughs> what like just once I was starting to feel better, probably like once I had hit kind of the 24 hour mark, then he went through it through the night. So um, it was it was pretty rough. And I felt so bad, like leaving that hotel room. I mean, we did our best to like clean up. But um, yeah, between the toddler and then and then the baby who thankfully never got sick. And then me, I mean, our exhaustion level was just like next level. And um, we rode it out through the night. And then um, the next morning, we finally finished our road trip. But it was funny because the hotel that we found was actually ended up being kind of next to like this kind of older um, amusement park. Okay. And I remember my <laughs> my toddler, my two and a half year old, like could see all the roller coasters and like all like the bright colors as we're like loading up the car the next morning to drive home. And he like wanted to go. And we're like, no, absolutely not. That is not an option. Like we are not going to an amusement park after that. Like that's not that's not even on the table. So oh my gosh, <laughs> um, did you do the thing where I mean, I have dealt with a lot of puke like all of you mm -hmm. listening um did you do the thing where you got home and like had to triage laundry and car seat because I would imagine like Ugh. you're just like I don't know if you're stuffing things in a garbage bag and like deal with this later I have a pretty strong stomach or constitution for bad smelling laundry once I'm past the nausea stage myself so I feel like if it were me I would have just I mean put clothing and blankets and towels in one giant pile and just had to deal with them later? Or were you trying to like wash stuff as you went? I think what I actually ended up doing, and this is a trick that I kind of remember from my mom when um, we used to go on family vacations, is I think once we got home and everybody was settled and like sleeping or resting or whatever, like once everything was kind of better, I think I loaded everything up and actually went to the laundromat because then oh. you can like wash everything at once. And it was kind of like a break for me too, because yeah. then I'm away from my family. Yeah. Like it's just me. I can catch my breath. And so I have often done that after a big vacation when we, when we haven't been able to catch up on laundry or just coming home and feeling like, we have a ton of things that we need to wash because then yeah. you can kind of just do it all at once, knock it out in like two hours and then come home and everything is clean. So I think I put my husband in charge of like the car seat and actual car situation. Yeah. But then I handled all of the like towels and the puke laundry yeah. and the all books. of that. Yeah. And all of just our regular like vacation laundry, too, from right. having been traveling for a week. So um, I'm pretty sure that's what I did. And that worked pretty well. OK, well, that is a great tip. And I don't think I ever had really thought about that. So especially when you have all of like, yeah, like that excess bulk and you're washing a yeah. whole bunch of things. Um, yeah. I did once have to completely disassemble a car seat because of a puke situation and then realized I think my husband was traveling and I'm like really bad spatially at like assembling things and stuff like that. And I realized uh, I had uh -huh. to rethread the straps. I mean, I took it completely <sighs> apart, like every yeah. buckle strap, which felt very satisfying to clean. And then I was like, 
oh, I don't think I could put this back together. And I, I'm by myself. I was at home. I wasn't on a travel, but like, I, I was like, I don't know if I could go anywhere. Cause I can't put my baby in a car seat. I think I did YouTube it or something and eventually figure mm-hmm. it out. But it is sometimes they need to be completely taken apart to clean. The buckles are hard too. Yeah. Cause it's like certain pieces you can't really, then you're like trying to get in it with like a toothbrush or a yeah. toothpick or something. It's like, <laughs> it's just a disaster. Oh my gosh. Um, okay. Well, Katie, thank you for bringing us into this conversation. <laughs> um, I, I hope everyone's still with us. I, I think people are still with us. I think this is like, we have all been there or if you haven't, um, you will someday. And now, you know, the laundromat and, um, always having beach towels with you. Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready-to-eat meals from our sponsor, Factor. Factor's delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages to keep you fueled all day long. So our team was comparing notes recently on our favorite factor meals, and Katie loved the herb-crusted chicken with mashed cauliflower and toasted almond green beans. I loved that one, too. And get this, so did her little boy, Charlie. She heated it up for lunch one day, and Charlie, who's three, ate almost all of the green beans. I mean, that's quite an endorsement, right? I was going to say, what a parenting win. (laughs) And I get it, Charlie. Those green beans are crazy good. And if you really want to treat yourself, they even have meals with filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. Listeners, head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour5050 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from Our Place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay. Well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as forever chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the forever chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR. All right, we're back, and I'm chatting with Stacy. Stacy lives in rural Montana, and Stacy, you've joined us on the podcast in a couple of different ways, talking about your pandemic baby and your week of real life dinner. And you've also been on the blog sharing about rural living and on our um, Instagram as well. So. 
close listeners will have started to kind of conceptualize what your life is like. But in case people aren't familiar, I really want to set the stage here because we're not just talking about vacation today. We're also just talking about the mishaps that can travel, moving your family from point A to point B. And for you, a lot of that is your regular driving. So Stacy, just to start, remind everybody where you live rurally and like how far it is and what the roads are like to the nearest town. Just start there. Okay. So we live, I always say we live in the middle of nowhere. Um, the closest town we live to is where my kids go to school. And that's a really small town. It's the population's, I think 1200 and that's 35 miles away. And that is 20 miles of highway and 15 of gravel. And then in an opposite direction is a big city, which I feel like is laughable for anybody who actually lives in places with cities, but is population, I think 50,000 and that's 50 miles away. And that is 25 miles of gravel and 25 miles of highway. Okay. I'm already interested in the gravel piece because spoiler alert, we are going to be talking about a few flat tires. So like, I mean, I guess I've been on a rural gravel road, but it's different than driving on roads, right? Like assume this is a city slicker question. So it's bumpier. The, the actual experience of being in a car is different. Is there anything else about being on a gravel road that like my little brain can't conceptualize? Um, yeah. So, I mean, they do some maintenance on the roads, but I mean, it's some places like a vehicle, it's not very wide and it's, but it it literally is just a gravel road. Like if you picture someone driving in the middle of nowhere, that's where you're driving. And, and I would imagine in your seasons too, like in the winter, is that trickier or, or no? It can be. Um, if we get a lot of snow, there's been times where the snow is blown in and, um, like my father-in-law will sometimes, if we have to, like, we'll get out a tractor and, you know, plow the road to be able to get out. That doesn't really happen very often. The hardest part actually is when it rains, which would be nice if it rained, but the roads get yeah. really muddy and that can really oh, almost be yeah. the hardest part is dri- driving on the road when it's muddy. Um, that can be a challenge. So I guess the reason I wanted to set the stage here is I think it's really good for everybody to be reminded of how their different living situation, we we tend to just assume everyone has it like we do, whether we live in a big city or a suburb or rural. And your kids, you have three young kids, have probably gotten used to very long drives um, and also drives that potentially could go awry for reasons that like the rest of us don't even run into. So Let's talk about let's talk about tires. I never thought I'd be having a whole podcast segment about um, flat tires. But you told me when we were preparing for this that you counted and had flat tires eight or nine times in what, like a year period, something like that. Yeah, there was it was from like April of 2020 to June of 2021. I counted and I had eight flat tires during that span of time. I mean, I don't think I've had eight flat tires in my entire life of 20 six years of driving. So that is impressive. And I'm picturing little kids in the back of the car who probably get pretty used to being like, well, we were going to go to town or we were going to go to grandma's, but now we're just going to sit on the side of the road because where I'm going with this next is you also don't have like triple a on speed dial, right? So if you run into a vehicle issue, um, before we get into specific stories, maybe just paint the general picture of like, who like who even would come rescue you? You've got your family, your in-laws, but you guys are kind of out there in the middle of nowhere. So what are your options if you need roadside assistance? Depending on how far from the house I am, one time I had a flat and I was, I don't know, I was probably just like 15 miles from home. 
And because cell service is so spotty out here, we have CB radios and I had a radio in the pickup. And so I called my husband on the radio and he met me. And so that's much easier than, you know, the spare tire that you have to take off and, you know, hand screw the lug nuts off. Like he just brings the tool, the air drill and, and he just takes the tire off and puts the spare back on. Um, when I've been closer to town and had a flat before I've called the tire shop that we do all our tire business with, and someone from there has driven out and helped me with a flat tire before. Um, so usually it's, if I can, I call my husband, um, and he will come and rescue me. Okay. So we've painted the picture and there's a couple of stories you have where it was bigger than just changing a flat tire because you, your vehicle was actually rendered undrivable in these rural roads. So tell the story about coming back with your first baby uh, after a football game several hours away. So my husband and I were driving back from a football, a college football game. And so we only had one child at the time. And I think he was, it was fall. So it was football season. And I think he would have been like two or three months old. And the drive home was about four hours. And so we decided to drive home after the game instead of spending the night and I was driving and my husband was in the passenger seat. And so we're on the interstate and I just feel like there is like the tire is wobbling and I can't, I'm telling my husband, like something feels weird. And so after a while, like we decided to pull over. So I pull over and we get out and we look and somehow the studs of the lug nuts or the, on the tire had broken off. And so the tire was literally about to fall off as we were going down the interstate. Oh my gosh. So of course, because the studs are broken, we can't just put the spare tire on. So it's probably seven o'clock at night and we call my in-laws and they have to get a flatbed trailer to load our pickup onto. So they, we just have to wait on the, in the, uh, on the side of the road. And my in-laws came and got us and we were probably three hours from home at that point. So we had to wait for them to come get us load our pickup onto the flatbed trailer and then drive home. Um, so that was about, I think we didn't get home until three or four in the morning. And um, I feel like I kind of blanked that out because my husband kind of reminded me of that trip. And I think that I just like totally, my mind, my mom brain just totally wiped that experience. Well, <laughs> and you were a brand new mom, right. right? I mean, you're, we're talking like just a few months into right. motherhood. Do you remember feeling Kind of, like Katie talked about that kind of protective instinct of going, going right to the baby rather than even worrying about herself. Did you feel extra nervous because you had a new baby and, you know, pretty new to motherhood? I did. And, and this probably sounds silly, but I was just worried about the whole time. Like, how's the baby going to sleep? Like we're getting like, I was so obsessed with sleep at the time, you know, like, yeah. and I just felt like now what are we going to do? Like the point what we left was so that the baby could sleep at home, not, you know, sleep somewhere right. else. And th- I mean, obviously he was really little. So if I'm remembering right, he just mostly slept in the car seat, obviously overnight. And yeah. it was probably um, honestly better that he was like really little instead of being like a year old where you're trying to keep a toddler yeah, like sleeping. Yeah, like an 18 month old. Right. right. So I think yeah. I just probably nursed him on and off and then just kept putting him back in his car seat and he fell back asleep and then got home and put him back to bed. Oh my gosh. Well, um, you told me one more story more recently about being pregnant, having a toddler with you and two flat tires at once. Do I have that correct? Cause you, that's also, um, a level up from just popping on a spare. Yes. I was, um, with, I was eight months pregnant with my third and I was supposed to be picking up my husband. He was taking a truck somewhere to get it loaded with, um, grain 
And then he was leaving the truck there or fertilizer. I can't remember, but he was leaving the truck and I was supposed to be picking him up. So I had my daughter, Allie, who was, I don't know, four at the time. And he had our son and I felt like I had a flat tire and the light came on on the, you know, the dash that says flat tire. So I pull over and I get out to look and not only do I have one, but I have two flat tires. Both rear tires were flat. And so I thought, great. So I called my husband and he couldn't do anything to help me because he was in a semi and he was probably like an hour or more ahead of me. So we start calling tire shops in a different town that was closest to where I was at that we didn't really weren't familiar with like doing business there. So finally we get a guy to come out and he comes out and he takes both the tires off and then leaves the car jacked up and, you know, tells us like, make sure you don't move a lot because the car is jacked up. So me and my four-year-old, I'm like sitting in the car and we're just, it's raining out. So we're just sitting there waiting for how long it took him to go to town, fix our tires, and then bring them back and put them back on the vehicle so that we can continue our drive. I mean, that just alone makes me so claustrophobic and makes me so aware of my like suburban privilege because like now you're up on jacks in the middle of nowhere with a preschooler and you're eight months pregnant. I like my mind goes right to like no potty, no bathroom, no snacks. I don't know if there's an iPad, but like all the things that I would rely on. And you're just like, no, you can't. Not only do you have to wait, but you can't even move around very much because the car's like up on up on jack. So, yes, very different than getting a flat tire in like suburbia, I think. Right. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Stacey, for taking us kind of into what it looks like to be on the road where you are. Emily, totally opposite of middle of nowhere. We're going to talk about a Disney trip. I'm going to set this up because you told me you had been planning this Disney trip for an entire year. And I think that's relevant because so many families right now are like trying to make up for lost pandemic time. And I know a lot of people are going to Disney. So how did your Disney trip go and when did it start to fall apart? Yeah, so this was in May 2019, pre-COVID. We had planned this trip for a year. It was a big family trip, 10 of us, my whole side of the family. We were going because my youngest sister was graduating nursing school. So she had her graduation, and then the next day we left for the trip. So to start the, you know, chaos, um, my kids were, my youngest was not born yet. My oldest kids were three and a half and one and a half at the time, and at these ages, it seemed like they were sick all the time. I mean, we were going to library story time and my oldest was in dance class and the doctor assured me this is normal. So I was starting to get worried because it seemed like they were sick all winter. And I was just thinking, I hope by May everyone is healthy. That's We just kept hoping and praying. And of course, the week before we were supposed to leave for our trip, my kids got a cold and it seemed like my son wasn't getting better. And then two days before we were supposed to leave, um, on Friday night, he just was up all night, you know, crying. And I was sure it was an ear infection. I called the pediatrician on call. She prescribed an antibiotic over the phone, um, one that did not have to be refrigerated so we could go on our trip. And I thought, okay, it's all going to work out. So we got on the plane, we got to Florida and everything was fine. Um, a little stressful with kids that young, but going okay. And several days into our trip, I could tell my oldest was just off. She just was more tired than you. I mean, everyone's tired in Disney World, but extra tired, just really fussy. And 
I don't know why it didn't occur to me that she was getting sick because, you know, you just want everything to be perfect when you have this big, expensive trip. Yeah. And you also can't tell sometimes like what's what are is, are they overstimulated, like not been sleeping well, like when you're not at home, it can be very hard to sort out a three and a half year old's mood from like illness. Right. Exactly. So two it was two or three days before we were supposed to fly home and we were on our way to Magic Kingdom. We stayed inside the park. So they have these shuttle buses that take you from your resort to the park. So we're on this bus to Magic Kingdom and my daughter starts gagging. And she gets motion sickness. So I'm like, okay, it's probably just this, you know, you kind of ride sideways in the bus and she's probably getting motion sick. She was sitting with my mom across the aisle from me and she starts spitting up. That's not normal for a three-year-old to spit up. But for some reason I was justifying it as motion sickness and like allergies. I don't know. That's where my mind went because I wanted it to be fine. Yeah. Denial. That's called. So we get up, we go on with our morning um, I could tell she was really tired in the afternoon, but she was not napping at this time. So we just kept going on. My son, who was one and a half, had fallen asleep in the stroller. And so I decided to take my daughter to the Dumbo ride while everyone else kind of did their own thing. And my husband stayed back with my son. So we get in line to get on Dumbo and it was our turn next. And all of a sudden my daughter just starts throwing up in line which I should have seen coming, but I wanted to pretend that everything was fine. Are you holding her at this point or is she standing or is she in a stroller? At this point, she's standing in line with me because my husband had the stroller with my son. Oh my gosh, this poor kid at the, you know, we were like, it was our turn next. And this poor kid, he was so nice because I'm sure they're used to this. He was so nice. He said, you know what? Um, I'll give you a, I forget what he did. He gave us something to come back to the ride again if she was better, which, you know, we never made it back, but And he said, don't worry about this. I'll clean it up. So anyway, I pick her up. And then so I have, you know, throw up on me now. And I for some reason, I did not have my phone. I think I must have just ran over to the ride without my purse. So I'm trying to find my family. You know, I'm carrying it's hot. It's May and it's hot. And I'm carrying her around the park trying to find my family so somebody can help me. Finally, I find them in a gift shop and, you know we decide we need to go home or back to the hotel. So my husband and I take our kids back to the hotel. And then again, we have to get on this shuttle bus basically to get back and it's crowded and it's standing room only. And I think I was starting to have a panic attack at this time. (laughs) So at this point, my husband was holding my daughter. I was holding my son. And then we have to hold our stroller up. You have to fold it up on the bus and basically hold it. So we're all hanging on to, you know, this pole on the bus Just, I was just praying, please just let's get back to the hotel before anything else happens. Of course, I think it was a couple stops before we had to get off. She starts throwing up again on this crowded bus. And at this time, I don't know, I was a young mom still. I didn't have a bag. I didn't have, all I had were some baby wipes to try to clean it up. So that's what I was doing. We ended up getting off a stop early to just walk back to the hotel. We figured that was a better option. Um... And I, you know, we had to go tell the bus driver. He had to clean it up. Oh, it was just, you know, I'm glad I never had to see those people again. Because that was my first public yeah. experience with throwing up. So, you know, at Disney World, of course. Okay, so you made it back to the safe haven of the hotel room. So do you guys just ride it out? Do you get back out to the parks and restaurants at all the rest of the trip? No. So we had one last big family dinner planned with the 10 of us. And we had to cancel, you know, our portion of the reservation 
We just stayed in the hotel for the rest of our Disney trip. We didn't want to try to go back out. Yeah. And the next morning we wake up and as we're packing up, my son went to my sister's room and she had a curling iron sitting on the floor. The outlets were on the floor for some reason. She had a curling iron sitting there heating up. He's very curious little boy. He touches the curling iron and he burns the palm of his hand. So now I have a sick three-year-old and a screaming one-and-a-half-year-old who was inconsolable for an hour. And so I started to get so concerned. We don't have a car to take him to the doctor to see if he's seriously injured. So I went to the desk to see if they had a medic or something. And they do not. They said we'd have to go to the hospital. Uh, Thankfully, the gift shop gave us a big bag of ice. I took the kids back to the room to rest while my husband finished packing up. And I have this picture of us, a selfie of me laying on the bed with both kids asleep on me, just exhausted from the chaos of the past two days. And thankfully, you know, we gave him some Motrin, we got on the plane and we got home, but it was a little bit traumatizing. (laughs) That that is um, a good cautionary tale. Um, and I never did Disney. Well, that's not true. My youngest was about two when we started doing Disney. But um, I'm always so impressed by the people who can do it with really little kids. So you lived to tell the tale. Yes. Um, but that is a doozy. Well, thank you, Emily. We are welcoming back Vionic as a sponsor today. And Sarah, I will be honest, I was sorting through my warmer weather wardrobe the other day and it could seriously use a refresh, but you know what's good to go? My shoes. I've got a great selection to choose from thanks to the Vionic Vitals collection. And lately the pair I keep putting on again and again is the Uptown Loafer. I have two pairs, one in sand suede and the other in camel leather, but please don't make me pick a favorite. Oh, I won't. I'll let you keep both. That's so funny, Megan, because I was a little jealous of your Uptown loafers. I was the last one on our team to get a pair, but I just did. I also got mine in the sand suede, and I think I've worn them like four times this week. They really finish off a cute spring outfit. The Vionic Vitals collection has the best essential styles for everyday wear to get you ready for spring. And no matter what shoes you choose, you'll be on the go in comfort because every single pair of Vionic shoes delivers their trademark Viomotion technology for a difference you can feel. Vionic sandals, sneakers, and flats all offer incredible support, stability, and cushioning, and every pair comes with a 30-day risk-free trial, so it's easy to try them out. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at Vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Vionic Shoes. Wearable well-being for your feet. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves, so they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's chewable kids' vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. 
This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash mom hour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Lisa, I'm excited to hear from you. I got to chat with you a little before recording and, and I know how important road trips and travel are to you as a family. And you are also a single mom with four kids. So we're, we're leveling up here in terms of um, degree of difficulty. You shared with me that this is something that you started doing long road trips by yourself with all four kids shortly after your divorce. Is that correct? Yes, that is absolutely true. Yep. Okay. So um, you live outside Kansas City and you've traveled all across the West and done these multi-day staying with friends and family. So it sounds like we could do literally a whole episode with various travel stories that you have, but we're going to talk a little bit about the very first time you were by yourself with all four kids and decided to, you know, do an epic road trip. And I guess first talk about why that was important to you. Like what, like a lot of people at home are probably being like, yeah, no thanks. Like, so why, (laughs) why did that feel important to you at that stage of life? And just based on what you wanted for your family. So, um, when I got divorced, it was just kind of, it's always a healing process. Right. And so I, the way I grew up, my family drove. We drove to California and we drove to Texas from the Midwest. And so in my misperception of what a two-parent family might do, I was determined to give my kids the same experiences that a two-parent family would have. I have since come to my senses, although we have repeated the trip multiple times, but I will say this first trip that we took, um, it was for my kids. And I think more importantly, it was really a trip more about my identity, Um, my identity as a mom, as a single mom, as a mom of multiples, um, and really building back. Yeah, I love that. Um, And so your kids were how old at the the time of this first solo road trip? Um, So my youngest was two. My next one was three. The next one was six and the next one was eight. Okay. I'm already getting slightly anxious, just setting the stage here. Um, (laughs) but you said that you planned it so that you were being conscious of cost and you were staying with friends and family. So like, um, before we get into like the various mishaps, how long are your travel days with these four kids? Like, are we talking four to six hour days or like even longer? So I've done it various ways. I typically try to get an eight hour stretch in at a time, but we've done okay. as many as 14 hour days in the car. Oh gosh, You must be yes. a good driver. You must like I really am. like that. Yeah. I'm so impressed. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, <laughs> before we recorded, you also shared that there was a stomach bug situation on this trip. We're going to set that aside because I just think that we have had like an appropriate amount of puke in today's <laughs> podcast episode. But just for the listener, just know that there was also puke on Lisa's road trip, but we're going to choose to focus on (laughs) the challenge of a potty training two-year-old who doesn't want to wear a pull-up. Do I have that right? But yet also you have to find potties in the middle of nowhere. Let's just talk about potty training and road trips. Just, just take it away, Lisa. Yeah, absolutely. So she wanted to, I was all about wearing the pull-up for the road trip, like no problem. But she is insisting that she will wear the pull-up. She will not potty in the pull-up. 
So as each um, consecutive summer came and I took the trips, I did learn to bring a little potty along with us because when you're traveling in the desert, there are not potties readily available. So the first trip we took, we were um, in the middle of Texas. There was nothing anywhere except very fast trucks. They were very fast trucks. And so I'm trying to pull off safely somewhere and she's insisting she has to go and I've got nothing. And so I fashioned together a paper plate with a hole in it and put the styrofoam cup through the hole thinking, okay, you know what? This kind of looks like a potty. Surely her little booty can like, we can do yeah. this. This is fine. Like a tiny no, no. little booty. Yeah. A tiny little, any like anywhere, just sit on anything except a cactus, right? So don't get bit by a snake or a scorpion or don't sit on the dirty ground, just something. Cause she's not, you know, she's not a boy. She can't just go in a bush you know, whatever we haven't learned that we're still learning to potty in a regular toilet. So not yeah. in a bush. And there were no bushes. If I'm going to be honest with you, this is, this is desolate, nothing. Yeah. So she sits on it and crushes it. <laughs> of course she does because right. it's not made for sitting on. It's like, it's supposed to just <laughs> emulate, like, can, can you just go if I just offer you this little nugget? No, it was, it was a no go. So I said, it's okay. You can just go in your pull up and it's okay. I'm, I'm not frustrated. You're not going to be mad. It's okay. We'll get you changed. And she refused. So I drove like a mad woman. And thankfully, Texas has really fast speed limits. So I pushed that gas pedal and we found somewhere um, down the road a ways. Thankfully, she had fallen asleep, which is always a saving grace when you have someone that says, I need to potty. You can judge the emergency of it by the way they're sitting, the tone of their voice. And then if they drift off, there's no waking. And then at the stop, everybody gets out and goes, whether you think you have to go or whether you don't, you're out and going. Right. Right. We're going. Oh my gosh. And then you get the bright idea to take four small children to Hoover Dam in the middle of summer, because as you said to me, when we were preparing, that's just what you do. You're on vacation. If you run into like a major, um, historical landmark or like you know, a thing that one must see in one's lifetime, you do it. I'm not sure that I do, Lisa, but you do. And so you (laughs) took your four small children to Hoover Dam, including a potty training toddler. And how'd that go? Yeah. So that did not fare super well for me. Um, we had had our evening of, you know, intestinal business the night before we had kind of thrown out the window, whatever bedtime, It was just, we had been traveling. I have sick clothes everywhere. We get into the hotel and I said, you know what? Let's just reset. We need a reset. So we actually took an evening swim in the full moon. I did not like the sick child get into the pool, but we were the only ones there. And you'd think in the middle of a desert, the water wouldn't be so cold. It was freezing. Like I dipped our toes in and I'm like, wow, this is a hard pass for me. This is going to be a no thank you. So it was short-lived, but we needed that reset. And so that's what kind of gave me the determination. Like, no, 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 we are near Hoover Dam. We're going. So I'm backpacking one child on my back. I have the littlest in the stroller, the umbrella stroller. And then my two other kids were kind of hanging on to either side of the stroller. And we were approaching and it was very hot. It was very, very hot. And all of a sudden I hear the baby from the stroller saying, I'm pooping. (laughs) And I'm like, here, have a binky, put your binky in your mouth. We will get you changed. It's okay. She clenches the binky between her teeth and screams again. And it's just echoing through Hoover Dam. (laughs) I'm pooping. 
<laughs> so I'm a stranger. Please take this picture. I just reviewed the picture not too long ago. And there I am in all of my glory with a pooping baby. And I ran, literally was running with the baby on my back, the baby in the stroller, the two trying to keep up with me to get back to the van. Of course, we had paid like a million dollars for parking for yeah, of course. the amount yeah. of time. And we stayed like seven minutes. Yeah, so. <laughs> of course. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. I am just in awe of you and those stories. So thank you for sharing. Um, I want to kind of open back up to the group before it's time to go and just kind of, I don't know, uh, allow us the space to reflect on what these stories even mean. Katie, I'm going to start with you. When you tell a story like your epic road trip, you know, puke fest from five years ago, is it funny now? Is it, does it bring up a little stress still? Like, what does it feel like when you tell that story? Um, it definitely still makes me feel a little bit stressed thinking about it, but I also feel like it has helped me when we have had like misadventures since then. Like if anybody has gotten sick in the car or we're planning another trip, it's kind of nice to know, like we survived that, like we can handle a lot. So it's kind of, it's both like, it makes me a little stressed, but also it makes me proud that like we did it and It's a little bit reassuring that we can, you know, handle something like that in the future if we need to. Yeah, I love that. Stacey, I'm curious because we talked about a bunch of, you know, a bunch of tire (laughs) mishaps and we didn't even get to all of them. Have you do you think you're a more prepared traveler now than you were back then? Like, does each of those mishaps like teach you like, oh, I'm going to have like the backup radio or the this in the back. Like, do you feel a little bit of that, like, Boy Scoutness about yourself having gone through all these things? Um, not really. I think, um, to be, <laughs> well, sometimes I just, like, if I hear a weird noise in the car, I think, oh my gosh, am I getting a flat tire? Like, I don't have time for this. Um, we also deal with, because we drive on so much gravel, that rocks get in the tires. And so that can make your vehicle vibrate and you think something is wrong, but it's really because there's gravel in your tires. Um, so, yeah. well, let's talk a little bit briefly about like, I don't know if we want to call it like, um, like mom instincts or the quick decision making that has to happen when all of a sudden, you know, a kid is puking or you hear the funny sound in your car. Um, Emily, you did such a great job describing like that moment in the Dumbo line where you're like, okay, this is happening. I don't even have my phone. Like, what does that feel like to you? Like, where do you go? What do you tap into when things go off the rails? Honestly, I panic a little bit. <laughs> I'm kind of the, uh-huh. I'm kind of the anxious, more panicky one in our family, and my husband is calm. So when he's not there, I just get anxious. But I feel like when we're together on a trip, I definitely lean on him to kind of bring me back down and tell me it's going to be okay. Um, and then I've had more experience now, so I feel like. When we do travel, and we travel a lot more by road trip, but I come with a whole pharmacy now of Motrin and um, Pepto and things like that, just in case something like that happens. And then I also keep a grocery bag in the car, in the diaper bag, just in case. Just in case. So you definitely have learned. I would say I'm similar. I, My husband and I work really well together on travel, and I tend to be more anxious about things either that haven't happened yet or that I think are going to happen or about silly stuff like running late or like 
bad weather or something. I would say when actual, uh, um, not crisis, but when something is actually happening, I can be weirdly decisive in the moment. Um, but I definitely can relate. I have to rely on my partner to just talk me down from, um, just kind of being amped up about everything. So that's just good to know about ourselves. Um, Lisa, you have done these trips for years now and we didn't get to get into all that, but your youngest, how old is your youngest now? Like seven, something like that. She is. Okay. So, um, how have you seen your kids sort of change over time as they have seen these big trips modeled for them and have gone through some of the mishaps themselves? Like, do you see their resilience or their go with the flowness or maybe not? Maybe there's some kids who just don't do well with change and transition and, and flat tires and barf and other kids who roll with the punches. What have you seen in your family? So my, my kids are, have always been really great travelers. Um, from the time they were born, I, I live on one side of Kansas and my parents live on the other side. I have a sister in Denver, one in Tulsa. So if we wanted to see family, we had to travel to see them. So since they were newborn, I would load them up and travel to wherever we needed to in the Midwest to get together with family. But I'd say on the big road trips, I think everyone gets initially excited. So um, all the new things like the, the colored pencils and the binders and the activities and things. And, you know, the longer the hours in the car, the more difficult it gets. But they never say no. I mean, they everyone would love to fly instead of drive, as would I now that we've had the experience of the travel. But, you know, that's just not the way our family rolls. And um in fact, my youngest just asked, um, if this summer, could we just go to Hawaii? Which is a hard no. It's a no, but I appreciated her asking. (laughs) Like, I know, mom, I have a real quick idea. How about Hawaii? Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Um, Well, it is time to wrap up and I feel like we could talk for another hour, but I just want to thank each of you for sharing these stories. And um, I hope that listeners you're just feeling like whatever happens out on the road this summer, you are not alone. And no matter how ungracefully you have to get through it and how much puke there is, um, at the other side, it will be a funny story and you will learn a few things about packing beach towels and plastic bags and fashioning potties out of paper plates and all of that. So Katie, Stacy, Emily, Lisa, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thanks. Bye, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everyone. And don't forget that all of our travel episodes and blog posts are organized in one handy place for you at themomhour.com slash travel 22. We've got travel gear guides, tips for Disney, what to bring to the beach, and more episodes featuring tips for every kind of travel. Please do come say hi in our Facebook community or on Instagram as well. You can leave comments and connect with any of today's co-hosts there and connect with other listeners of the show. Megan and I will be back with an all new episode for you coming up on Tuesday. Have a wonderful weekend and we'll talk to you then. The Mom Hour is supported by partners like Erica. Erica is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug when they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep and daily balance. Erica was built by a dad of three boys who saw that teens themselves were really becoming self-aware to the risks of social media and he wanted to help them self-regulate. Erica works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. 
Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E R I K A dot A P P, and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. The Mom Hour is brought to you by partners like Chatbooks. Chatbooks makes it beyond easy to create beautiful photo books by importing your digital photos from anywhere Instagram, Facebook, Google Photos, or directly from your phone. The books come in a variety of sizes with beautiful cover options and binding styles to choose from, and they start at just $15. Plus, we have a great deal just for our listeners. Use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20% off your purchase. Just download the Chatbooks app and use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20%.